Chill, chill, chill. What's good, family? Lord have mercy. Man, it is a lot going on. A lot going on. Let's take care of some housekeeping, man, before I get into this particular episode, man. It's your boy, Big L. This is the Page Turners Podcast, man, where we are a podcast that deals with and examines and looks at books. I love books. I love books. I love to read. It's one of my favorite things to do. I love reading books. One of the things I've had issues with, man, is reading books uh, that stayed on a uh I provided a perspective that I was able to agree with and find and and stay with, um, and that's usually a perspective that I, as a black male, can dive into and grab onto. Man. So I know that's a struggle for a lot of people. I know it's a struggle for a lot of blacks to find reading material that they can identify with, whether it's from an author perspective or a, a character or storylines, just it, it's hard, man. And that's just keeping it all the way 100 with everybody. It's difficult. So I wanted to be able to provide a, a outlet, a resource, man, where I'm going to each season pick a book and walk through that John step by step, breaking it down and, and discussing it. Um, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. This is episode 20, family. 20. <laughs> Giving myself a round of applause because I'm excited, man. I'm happy. I'm loving what this is doing. Uh, I'm loving the feedback. Are there some things that I want more of? Yeah, I want more people to be to be hearing this. Not for the sake of your boy, but for the sake of the content, man. Ain't nothing else out there like this. And I think this needs to be shared and heard by more. This truly fills a gap. Uh, Currently, we are in season one, where we have been walking through this masterpiece, this classic, this timeless, prophetic classic, man, Black Theology and Black Power by the late, great Dr. James H. Cone. And man, when I picked this book, I picked it because I felt like it had so many different gems and nuggets and, and, and wonderful things that could be applicable right now. But I had no idea that in God's providence that these topics and things that are being shared right now are the very things that Dr. James Cone was warning us again or the, against or the things that are taking place now. I have in the past been a host of a number of different podcasts, man. This is not your boy's first rodeo. I've, I've done a number of them, man. I've been on many different sides of this 
this subject matter when it comes to doing podcasts. I've done podcasts where I was exclusively dealing with the, 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 the aspects of the institutionalized church system called Real Talk Radio on the Church Folk Revolution platform. Me and my, my brothers, man, not my friends, not my homies, not my co-hosts, my brothers. Uh, shout out to them cats, man. Uh, to the homie Jonathan Bolton, John Bolton, Rob Thornton, uh, Leonard Robinson, Andre Watson, Lenoa Lomax, my brothers, man, the, the brothers, the host of Real Talk Radio. So I did that, and then I moved to the other side, and I began to do a local radio show on a platform called Sea Voice Radio, where I really wanted to address local issues. Uh, so we did a lot of um, local topics dealing with the current gentrification that's taking here, taking place here where I reside, addressing school board issues, just a, a, a wide range of topics. So I did that. I left that and went and did another podcast went on another platform that no longer exists. Um, where I did topics from a more social, a sociological perspective, uh, where I address different topics and issues that the Black collective are currently facing. Um, all those platforms, man, I learned a great deal. I had a great time, developed some great relationships, some great true and long uh, standing relationships. Some of them, you know, it didn't work out the way that I desired to work, ended in a, a, a weird fashion, but that's, that's neither here nor there. But with the page turners, I wanted to do something, man, really specific, niche-like, and, and I found it with these, these, these book studies, man. Um, all across YouTube, you can find a, a host of book reviews, little 15, 20 minute book reviews, man, where people actually break down the good, the bad, the ugly about a book. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to walk through a book step by step and let you, the listener, decide whether that book was good, bad, or ugly. So I'm trying to just to work through some, some, some mental things at the moment, man. I'm, I'm kind of frustrated with, with some things that are happening in the world right now. Um, it's, just, it's just a whole lot going on. And I'm trying to stay focused on this particular, this particular topic, man, because I don't want to go on any tangents. Um, but it's a cold, cold world that we're living in. And it's even colder if you are a black person. Let us begin the text, man. Black theology and black power by, by, by excuse me, the late great Dr. James H. Cone. We are currently, man, in chapter five. Uh, chapter five is titled "Some Perspectives of Black Theology." We are literally almost through this uh, through this book. I'm looking now to see how many more chapters we have. Uh, t -t 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 
This book only has six chapters. We are currently in chapter five. Um, yeah, man. Whew. Let's dig in. Chapter five, some perspectives of black theology. Just as the black revolution means the death of America as it has been, so it requires the death of the church in its familiar patterns and its familiar patterns. The 16th century radical concept of the restoration of the church is more appropriate to our times than the idea of renewal. But there is no need to quibble over slogans. What is meant is that the life of the church of Christ is life out of death. The resurrection of bleached and windswept bones. Black religionists must begin serious thinking about the meaning of Christian obedience in an age of black revolution. We need a theology for the oppressed black people of America aimed at the destruction of racism in society. Black theologians can no longer be tied to the irrelevancies of white American Christianity. Man, if I didn't highlight uh, that a hundred times, I'm going to highlight it a hundred and one times. Man. We need a theology for the oppressed black people of America aimed at the destruction of racism in the society. Black theologians can no longer be tied to the irrelevancies of white American Christianity. <laughs> I tell you, man, Dr. James Cone, the brother was a prophet, man. Was a prophet. The Reverend Albert Cleage of Detroit is one of the few black ministers who has embraced black power as a religious concept and has sought to reorient the church community on the basis of it. The black Muslims, though allegiance to Islam, have demonstrated more than any existing black religious community the relationship between religion and the suffering of black people. It is time for black Christian theologians to begin to relate Christianity to the pain of being black in a white racist society, or else Christianity itself will be discarded as irrelevant in its perverse whiteness. <laughs> Christianity needs remaking in the light of black oppression. In this chapter, I will endeavor to set forth some basic perspectives of black theology. Now, man, this is timely, man. Timely. When you have white evangelicals making strong, clear stances against, quote unquote, the social justice movement that we shouldn't be talking about, you know, focused on racism and all these other isms. We should be focused on the gospel. And they're drawing lines in the sand, man. Proverbial. I mean, visible, clear signs in the in the doggone sand, family. And the text reads, on black suffering, black theology must take seriously the reality of black people, their life of suffering and humiliation. This must be the point of departure of all God talk, which seeks to be black talk. When that man is black and lives in a society permeated with white racist power, he can speak of God only from the perspective of the social, economic, and political conditions unique to black people. 
Though the Christian doctrine of God must be logically proceed the doctrine of man. Black theology knows that black people can view God only through black eyes that behold the brutalities of white racism. To ask them to assume a higher identity by denying their blackness is to require them to accept a false identity and to reject reality as they know it to be. The task of black theology then is to analyze the black man's condition in light of God's revelation in Jesus Christ with the purpose of creating a new understanding of black dignity among black people and providing the necessary soul in that people to destroy white racism. Black theology is primarily a theology of and for black people who share the common belief that racism will be destroyed only when black people decide to say in word and deed to white racists, we ain't going to stand any more of this. The purpose of black theology is to analyze the nature of the Christian faith in such a way that black people can say yes to blackness and no to whiteness and mean it. Excuse me. It is not the purpose of black theology to address white people, at least not directly. If some of y'all can get that in your heads, the whites may read it, understand it, and even find some meaning in it. Black theology is not dependent on white perception. It assumes that the possibilities of creative response amongst white people to black humiliation are virtually non-existent. What slim possibilities there are belong only to those whites who are wholly committed to the activity of destroying racism in the structure of the white community. The goal of black theology is to prepare the minds of blacks for freedom so they will be ready to give all for it. Black theology must speak to and for black people as they seek to remove the structures of white power which hover over their being, stripping it of its blackness. Because black theology has as its starting point the black condition, this does not mean that it denies the absolute revelation of God in Christ. Rather, it means that black theology firmly believes that God's revelation in Christ can be made supreme only by affirming Christ as he alive in black people today. Black theology is Christian theology precisely because it was the black predicament as its point of departure. It calls upon black people to affirm God because he has affirmed us. His affirmation of black people is made known not only in his election of oppressed Israel, but more especially in his coming to us and being rejected in Christ for us. The event, the event of Christ tells us that the oppressed blacks are his people because and only because they represent who he is. On religious authority. The question of authority has been and still is in some circles a much debated religious question. Protestant Christianity was born because Martin Luther denied the absolute authority of the Pope in religious matters. Ultimate and absolute authority in matters of faith can and must reside only in the word of God, who was made flesh, died, and rose again for our salvation, and abides for, forever in his church. In him and through him, God has spoken to men. Here only have we the unmistakable voice of God, unimpeded in its utterances by the weaknesses of sinful nature and the fallibility of sinful human thought. 
For Luther, Christ alone is supreme authority and the scripture is second only to Christ. Within Protestantism, liberalism, fundamentalism, and neo-orthodoxy have been exerted much time and effort, energy discussing the question. Fundamentalists, sometimes referred to as conservatives, emphasize the verbal inspiration of Christ and locate final authority in the fallibility of the text itself. The scriptures God's word in that by a great supernatural, extraordinary influence of the Holy Spirit, the sacred writers have been guided in their writing in such a way as while their humanity was not superseding, it was yet so dominated that their words became at the same time the words of God, and thus in every case, and all alike infallible. Liberals would be much freer in their treatment of the Bible. Certainly they would not agree that scripture is infallible or is the supreme authority on matters of faith. They would be more inclined to emphasize the place of reason in matters of faith than life. The neo-orthodox theologians would emphasize the authority of God's discourse of himself in Jesus Christ. They seem to represent the Reformation and theology of the 16th century as expressed in Luther and Calvin. In more recent times, the question of religious authority is not discussed in a way it used to be. In the past, especially among fundamentalists, liberals, and neo-orthodox theologians, it was essentially a private debate among religious scholars abstracted from real life in the world. Politically, in America at least, it did not matter whose side one supported. None of the positions threatened the basic structure of the nation. Now, however, religious thinkers have begun to relate theological talk to worldly talk, and some have even begun to question the way men live in the society. This is clearly seen in writings of William Sloan Coffin Jr., the Yale University chaplain. He, did not only write, he not only wrote about it, but he acted in such a manner that he was tried, convicted, and sentenced for his illegal draft counseling. In a less dramatic fashion, man, excuse me about that truck, man. My apologies. In a less dramatic fashion, the rise of death of God theology means that religious authority not only involves one's participation in the churchy community, but equally in secular community. It is within this larger context of the world that we are to understand black theology and religious authority. The discussion of authority must depart from the abstract debate among fundamentalists, liberalists, and neo-orthodox thinkers. Though there, are, though there are expressions of these three major streams of Protestant thought within the black churches, black theology sees a prior authority that unites all black people and transcend those theological differences. It is this common experience among black people in America that black theology elevates as a supreme test of truth. To put it simply, black theology knows no authority more blinding than the experience of oppression itself. This alone must be the ultimate authority in religious matters. Concretely, this means that black theology is not prepared to accept any doctrine of man, of God, man, Christ, or scripture, which contradicts the black demand for freedom now. It believes that any religious idea which exalts black dignity and creates a restless drive for freedom must be affirmed. 
all ideas which are opposed to the struggle for black self-determination or are irrelevant to it must be rejected as the work of Antichrist. Again, this does not mean that black theology makes the experience of Christ secondary to the experience of black oppression. Rather, it means that black people have come to know Christ precisely through oppression because he has made himself synonymous with black oppression. Therefore, to deny the reality of black oppression and to affirm some other reality is to deny Christ. <laughs> Though Christ, black people have come in to know not only who he is, but also who they are and what they must do about that which would make them nothings. When the question is asked on what authority in the last resort do we base our claim that this or that doctrine is part of the gospel and therefore true? Black theologians must say, if the doctrine is compatible with or enhances the drive for black freedom, then it is the gospel of Jesus Christ. If the doctrine is against or indifferent to the essence of blackness as expressed in black power, then it is the work of the Antichrist. It is as simple as that. <laughs> okay, Doc. Black theology is not prepared to discuss the doctrine of God, man, Christ Church, Holy Spirit, the whole spectrum of Christian theology without making such doctrine an analysis of the emancipation of black people. It believes that in this time, manner, and situation, all Christian doctrines must be interpreted in such a manner that they unreservedly say nothing, say something to black people who are living under unbearable oppression. The most corrupting influence among black churches was their adoption of the whole, the white lie that Christianity is primarily concerned with otherworldly reality. White missionaries persuaded most black religious people that life on earth was insignificant because obedient servants of God could expect a reward in heaven after death. Jesus. As one might expect, obedience meant adherence to the laws of the white masters. Most Christian people accepted the white interpretation of Christianity, which divested them of the concern they may have had about their freedom in the presence. Even a casual look at the black spiritual shows their otherworldly characters. Oh Lord, when I die, I want to go to heaven. My Lord, when I die. Jesus. You better. Okay. Folk need to pick this book up, man. Need to get it. And the text reads, Understandably, 
most black intellectuals reject this attitude, especially the advocates of black power. As one black man put it, the black man stood in the corner and said, take the world and give me Jesus. So that's just what the white man did. Jesus will help us, the black man said. Hell, Jesus couldn't even help himself. He fooled around and got himself nailed to the cross. There is certainly something to be said for that idea that any concept of God which defines him as removed from the suffering of black people now cannot win the devotion of the new black man. The passive acceptance of injustice is not the way of human beings. If eschatology means that one believes that God is totally uninvolved in the suffering of men because he is preparing them for another world, then black theology is not the eschatology. Black theology is an earthly theology. It is not concerned with the last things, but with the white thing. Black theology, like black power, believes that the self-determination of black people must be emphasized at all costs, recognizing that there is only one question about reality for blacks. What must we do about white racism? There is no room in this perspective for an eschatology dealing with a reward in heaven. Black theology has hope for this life. The appeal to the next life is a lack of hope. Such an appeal implies that the absurdity has won and that one is left merely with an unrealistic gesture toward the future. Heavenly hope becomes a platonic grasp for another reality because one cannot live meaningfully amid suffering of this world. In traditional eschatology, Suffering is often interpreted as the means for heavenly entrance. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteous sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when the men revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil things against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so men persecute the prophets who were before you. Matthew 5, 10-12 Evil and injustice are transformed into temporary good in view of the apocalypse. Black theology rejects this interpretation, sharing instead the viewpoint of Dr. Rue and Camus the plague. During the height of the plague in the Algerian city of Oran, Rue and Father Papalak and others witnessed a prolonged death agony of a child. A moment after the child dies, Roax reaches from the room, rushes from the room, a bewildered look on his face, said, Panak tries to stop him. Roak turns fiercely to Panak. Oh, that child somehow was innocent, and you know it as well as I do. Roak goes outside and sits on the bench. And sits on the bench, man. What are we going to do about this gulf between blacks and whites? What do we do? How do we address that? How do we begin to have open, honest dialogue about this? I don't know if that's feasible. 
that may be a pipe dream. Because I truly can't see either parties being completely honest about what's going on. What needs to happen. How to do it. How to accomplish it. Listen, we have to do something different. We have to begin to stop trying to fight our way at the, to get at the table and instead begin to create our own tables. We have to. We have to. It's, it's, it's the only place where we can begin to build and if those other folk who we leave their churches and begin to build our own churches begin to desire that they want to be a part of it come join our churches repent in our churches baptize in our churches reconciliation in our churches That's what needs to be done. But all this begging and trying to fit in, you gotta knock that the heck off, man. Man, it's your boy. Right. Keep me in your prayers, man. As I continue to build this platform up, uh, any ideas, man, anything that you would like to see done, anything that you disagree with or uncomfortable with, send your boy a, a, a tweet at Elgin Bailey. Send me an email, pageturnersbtm at gmail.com. Let me know what your thoughts are, man. Let me know what your thoughts are. I thank you for tuning in, man. And being a part of what we are doing here at the Pacer Podcast, man, celebrating this joyous, man, wonderful 20 episodes, 20 episodes, man. Round of applause for your boy. <laughs> I love y'all, man. It's your boy, Big L. I'm out.